what's up everything the blues have allowed 18 goals since we last spoke in a normal episode and they also traded paul stasny and benched patrick bergwin and transnavigated the globe in a hot air balloon okay not all of that is true but most of it is we're here to discuss all of it and whether we should continue to hope for a blues playoff berth the numbers say you're a daisy if you do but do numbers tell the whole tale We'll discuss all of this ahead, so let's get started, and let's go Blues! podcast we're coming to you from our spacious and luxurious studio in joey and chandler's apartment from friends uh <laughs> my name is Stephen Crown. i'm here with ian peters how are you doing today ian great in front of a live studio audience <laughs> there's a laugh track and everything that big white dogs in the background you know you know the apartment from you've friends. seen it fellow hockey fans <laughs> uh we are here tonight to discuss a whole lot that has happened since we last recorded a regular episode. Uh, we have a little bit of trade deadline to discuss for those of you who may not have tuned into our bonus episode. We have uh, benchings and, and lots of losses and one underwhelming win <laughs> and so much more to get to. Uh, so I guess we can just leap in unless there's some... Mm. more fun topic you'd like to discuss no like one. yahtzee i don't know what yeah. the rules are <laughs> me neither well there you go folks <laughs> snake eyes uh, <laughs> we have uh the trade deadline which passed uh this past monday brought very interesting news for the blues i think uh which we'll talk about in just a minute when we talk about blues specific news uh but it did bring some interesting trades overall I think kind of the the one big one that just sort of seismically shifted the power dynamics was the trade that sent Ryan McDonough and JT Miller to the Tampa Bay Lightning in mm-hmm. exchange for Nemisnikov and a couple picks and a couple prospects. Um, we did record a bonus episode on Tuesday, so you can refer to that if you want our really detailed discussions of all of this, but... Um, that one to me is the one that really jumps off the page as this could be the trade you talk about when this team is lifting the cup, you know, Mm -hmm. because McDonough really solidifies that top four. And I think JT Miller is a very interesting body to add in there. And I think it's kind of interesting because Nemisnikov and Miller seem like fairly even talent swaps. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the, if it's just a change of scenery thing or if it's, you know, they didn't think they were going to be able to re-sign Miller as an RFA and or at a reasonable price as an RFA. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but what did you think of that trade specifically? Uh, Miller's already paying off the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning are up on the Dallas Stars 4-2, to two, and he's got two assists. Mm-hmm. So really an, all, an automatic win for the Lightning. I think it was a good trade. I think they kind of paid a lot but when you get too ready to work nhl roster players Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to yeah we kind of talked about it in the other episode that maybe 
the Lightning got the better of the deal because they really didn't have to give up that. I mean, they gave up a lot in terms of quantity. But Namisnikov, like we said, is a good player, but you really thought they might have pried a Braden Point out of there or a Mikhail Sergachev or something like that. Kalfa, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and it's amazing that Iserman, it shouldn't be amazing anymore. He's an amazing GM, but it's mm-hmm. amazing that he managed to keep that whole team together and just add to it. They didn't really need those picks because they're, they're windows now and they're windows for probably quite a while. Mm-hmm. I saw a tweet, I think it's unofficial our tweet of the week because we didn't discuss one beforehand so now i've got to find it because i know we retweeted it but we'll discuss it at the beginning rather than the end uh but it said something to the effect of uh it was from action sational on twitter and it said steve eiserman could have an oatmeal raisin cookie and find a way to trade it for a chocolate chip Yes, he's that good of a GM, which I thought was a fun way of describing what he was (laughs) capable of. But, uh, yeah, I think he's just a very impressive GM. Uh, The one thing that he has to do is win a cup to really solidify Mm -hmm. his role. Uh, But I am thinking more and more that that is likely in the next year or few months Mm -hmm. even. A um, couple other trades that are at least worth mentioning. Rick Nash moved to Boston uh, for a haul of players, which included Ryan Spooner, who already has four assists with the Rangers. Um, I don't understand why he's a player that Boston has always been rumored to move. Mm-hmm. Maybe just doesn't fit their structure long term. I would have liked him here. Yeah, he's a good player. I know there was some talk of him being involved when... Uh, Shattenkirk to Boston was a persistent rumor last year, and I was hoping for that. Uh, But it didn't happen, and now the uh, Bruins have Nash, which I don't fully understand, but uh, oh well. Yeah. Um, Evander Kane went to the Sharks. Patrick Maroon, the St. Louis Oakville High native, went to the Devils, along with Michael Grabner, which we talked about on our last episode. Um, I'm sure there are a couple other bigger moves that I'm forgetting besides the Blues one, which we'll cover in a minute. Um, but Nashville got not Phil Hartman from the Blackhawks. Uh, what's his real first name? Um, something else Hartman. Chris? Yeah. Brian? Something. Anyway, you know, the Hartman uh, guy. I had it and I lost uh, it. <laughs> he, much like Wayne Gretzky, <laughs> he... Uh, Got a first-round pick. Couple, Ryan, Ryan Hartman. Ryan, Ryan Hartman. Hartman. Yeah, that's right. A uh, couple Central Division trades. Interesting, underwhelming deadline day, I think, considering all the rumors. Carlson didn't get moved. Hoffman didn't get moved. Pacioretty didn't get moved. Mm-hmm. Some of the bigger fish that were talked about for weeks and months leading into the trade deadline didn't go anywhere. But uh, it delivered all right. It was yeah. interesting enough. I he, think at very least that... Promises for a fun summer. I think a lot of those guys will get moved this summer yeah. for sure. And one of the things that I think was fun about our uh, bonus episode, if you want to go back and listen to it, is at the end uh, we discussed a Pierre Lebrun article, um, which just listed a lot of the things that are left to decide in the summer. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty incredible <laughs> all the stuff he talked about. I won't rehash it here. That's at least but like it was 15 like 10 things. Or 15 big news items that had to be discussed. Uh, so I'm excited for that. The offseason is like crack for the week or two. I do mm-hmm. appreciate kind of how, how hockey like crams it all in in a week or two. Mm-hmm. And there's not like this long drawn out, like there are still free agents in baseball that are being signed. 
Yeah. Like now, you know, all of the major free agents in hockey are gone by July 2nd. If I do not, like that. you know, like at the very latest, like July 5th or 6th. And you then know? you kind of get the Stanley Cup finals, which I do think take a long time. But mm-hmm. then if they go as long as they can by the time it's done, I think last year I remember. It's like a month till the draft. Or I think it was less, less than that. Yeah. I think it was like two weeks, uh-huh. yeah. which is fantastic. It's awesome. Uh, so we're looking forward to all that because we don't have as much to look forward to on the home front. Uh, and speaking of things we're looking forward to, the uh, Seattle expansion team for the NHL, which is set to become their 32nd franchise, looks like it's all but written in stone mm-hmm. uh, with the ink drying, or I guess in that case with the dust settling. Um, How do you write in stone? I don't know. Somebody, some, of all our stonemason listeners out there, (laughs) please tell us. Um, But yeah, today they, and basically what the sports franchise equivalent of an IPO uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) initial public offering where they took season ticket deposits for the first time. Uh, Vegas, which is obviously a very successful franchise, got about 16,000 deposits over the course of a month. And today, in the first hour, uh, Seattle got 25,000-plus uh, value between $500 and $1,000 deposits. So there's obviously huge interest in Seattle for this team. They're a sports-crazy town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used to think maybe judgmental of me judging the culture, but I used to think they'll like the hipster sports like, you know, see like the Seattle Sounders, but I don't know if they'll get into the like the big sports. But credit to them because they're huge Seahawks fans and they're going to have this hockey team now and uh, the Mariners aren't even totally abandoned, although <laughs> a little bit. But, I say, not to go too far off on baseball, but aren't the Mariners kind of like a hipster team because they're just yeah, not good yeah. or they're really ever talked about? They're actually one of my about. weird, like, I like them mm-hmm. as a not Cardinal fan kind of team just because who even remembers they're up there? Yeah, bring back that old, like, Trident logo they had. Absolutely. That thing was dope. With the blue and gold colors, mm-hmm. let's do it. Um this did prompt us to kind of discuss what some of our favorite names would be for the franchise, and we threw it out to you on Twitter and got a lot of responses, so we wanted to talk about some of these. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Zelko, who I think is a beer man at Seattle Seahawks games, mm-hmm. but apparently is famous enough to get the blue check mark. so thank you for tweeting to us, Kevin. But he mentioned uh, are not worthy. the Metropolitans, and he said they won the first Stanley Cup for a U.S. team. Seattle has more Stanley Cups than the Canucks, which I thought was a, a good pre-dig at their doubtlessly future mm. rivals, the Canucks. Thanks for picking the Canucks and not the Blues. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate um, it. Kevin Bockerstead, a friend of mine, said, uh, the Seattle Latte is brought to you by Starbucks, which I think is pretty funny. <laughs> um, Justin Horniker, long-time listener and mm. number one fan, except also Jake Webb is the number one fan and all these other folks. <laughs> They're all number one fans. But Jake Weber insists, uh, or Jake, Jake <laughs> Weber insists. Uh, Justin Horniker said, Seattle Supersonics has a nice ring to it, which it does. And I could, as you've mentioned before, it would be kind of fun mm-hmm. if they could somehow just straight up steal them from the NBA. I wondered if they'd ever want to take, like, the Thunder. Seattle Thunder. Oh, that'd be great as, like, know. a dig. That'd that be fun. kind of fun. Yeah, it would be. And they get rain there all the time. Uh, Vince, done with your shit. I said another naughty word. Uh, suggested the Chiefs after Chiefs Seattle, Metropolitans, and uh, 
the orcas, which is the state's marine mammal, which I kind of like the orcas. That has a mm-hmm. nice ring to it. Uh, Mark Mansfield said the Seattle totems. Jesse Elam replied that or the steelhead and had a gif from what or not wedding crashers. Uh, Step brothers that said I didn't want salmon. I said it like four times. <laughs> and uh, Gibbs A said the Seattle otters. Jeff at Jeff Freezy said Seattle Kraken. Our number one fan, Jake Webb, said the Washington Capitals, which, Jake, I thought was personally hilarious. And then... Well, you're saying it like I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was more hilarious. Yeah, Ian thought it was terrible. And then <laughs> I'm the number one Jake Webb. <laughs> and then Mark Klein said the Seattle's Windows 7, which I really like. Uh, the interesting thing about the... Thank you all for tweeting in your suggestions. We really enjoyed reading through those. Uh, the interesting thing is that you pointed out to me is that they have already trademarked 13, I think you said, names. Mm-hmm. And they are as follows. The Cougars, the Eagles, the Emeralds, the Evergreens, the Firebirds, Kraken, Rainiers, the Renegades, the Sea Lions, the Seals, the Sockeyes, the Totems, and the Whales. Uh, I like... Most of those, mm-hmm. honestly, uh, not a big fan of the Evergreens. Like I get it, but yeah, it's that's that's a much. definite like junior league name. Emeralds is kind of cool. I do like that. Um, the Cougars and Eagles are kind of like bland. They're fine, but they're yeah. just bland. Uh, but I like Firebirds, Kraken, Rainiers, Renegades. I wonder what the logic is there behind the name. I don't know, but it's Renegades dope. sounds kind of junior y too. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, sea lions, I'd prefer seals. I, I, and I know this is probably considered one of the lamer ones, but I actually really like both sockeyes and steelhead because they're unique to the city, but they're like unique in sports as well. Mm. Like they fit Seattle, but they're unique in sports, which I always really appreciate. Totems is cool. And then I like whales or orcas too, but I'm always a little, uh, a little inclined towards like alliteration when you can pull it mm-hmm. off well. So if it's not forced. So what did you think? What was what were some of your favorite names from that list? I do like emeralds. I kind of mm. like totems. I don't know if totems is, is like yeah. you know you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The discussion mm. would be had for sure. <laughs> I I normally side with the whole like don't do redskins or like whooping Indian stuff, uh-huh. but totems also just kind of like a, a real thing they yeah, have. Yeah, so. it's not like the same. It's so, definitely not the same as like redskins. Yeah, that's that's a, when you really Which think every about time redskins. I think about like, that, and I'm not like the PC guy to end all PC guys, but every time I think about that, I'm just like, what? How? <laughs> I don't want to go off yeah. on that tangent. I'm sure we have fans on both sides of that issue, and we love you yeah. regardless. But I like emeralds, like totems. Um, I I had a team, I think, like an NHL hits back in like 2002 on the GameCube. Yeah, I, yeah. I named like the Yetis. That's I a like real. That. That's a real dumb. Like it wouldn't work, but I was like, ooh, that's kind of fun. Seattle Sasquatches. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> like the Thunder now. I want the Seattle Thunder. That'd be dope. Or Thunder has any like sort yeah, of yeah. You can just thing. play. You can play Seattle Storms. You could do that. Oh yeah. Is that the WNBA team? There is a storm. I think. Is it Seattle though? Maybe it's possible. Uh, we'll get that. We Does we that know all the all the WNBA that's teams. Forty one count. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. I'm sure it does. Yes. Um, the answer is yes. Any 
Yes, it is the Seattle Storm. Also, they have a logo that directly rips off the Supersonics, so good for them. Um, <laughs> along with the Washington Mystics, the Minnesota Lynx, they got lots of them. Um, any other names that popped into your head that aren't on the list that you like? No, I just want their jerseys to be a bright lime green. Or, like, <laughs> it's got to be a teal or something. Uh-huh. I'm all for them changing away from sort of the traditional Seattle colors. Yeah. They would obviously just be have or have what the Canucks have now, but mm-hmm. they can't really do that. But I do kind of think we we lack green. We have what? Dallas and Minnesota? Yeah. And That's Minnesota is a real barfy green. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, Dallas you... could go back to that at the drop of a hat. So Yeah. I was mentioning I don't know for those of you who don't know sockeye and salmon are like Oh this no! Drab olive green and like bright salmon reddish pink, and I was like, we got to put that on a jersey because it'd be like my favorite jerseys are the one that walk that line between horribly disgusting <laughs> and pretty cool, you know. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm just excited for this team. I think they'll be my second team. The NHL would be wise to expand as much as they want to right now <laughs> in the light of the success of Vegas and move teams now if they want to. I mean, this would be a really good time to do a lot of their alignment and realignment and expansion because of how good Vegas has done and how successful this uh, Seattle franchise looks to already be in terms of support. Oh, is it 2020 when they they plan to be? Look, I don't know how old he is, but Lee Stepniak for captain (laughs) of the Seattle whatevers. I'm I'm down. I'm down Start the it. movement. Seattle Stimniacs. Let's, Let's go. do it. Let's go Stimniacs. <laughs> <laughs> I approve. Uh, speaking of hockey players with S last names, uh, Zach Sanford was re-injured <laughs> in his return to, I don't think it was his first game back, but one of his conditioning stint games with the Seattle, or San Antonio Rampage. Not the Seattle Rampage. Um, he suffered an upper body injury. Um it did not. The good news is that it had nothing to do with the shoulder he injured um, when at the start of the season or in the preseason that kept him sidelined for four, eight months or however long. It was a long time. It wasn't eight, obviously. <laughs> but um, it does kind of look like this season may sort of be a wash for him, which is a shame. Um, and I don't think I realized coming into the season maybe how much he was expected to be part of the top nine. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that may have been one of the factors that had a bigger effect on uh, just how our season unfolded than maybe we gave it credit for. But, um, yeah, so he is sidelined. There's not a lot of details on how long the injury is, uh, but that's his situation, and it's sad, <laughs> I guess. Um, and then the, the thing we've been putting off talking about a little bit is the big blues trade of the trade deadline to the surprise of many, though not us, if you listen to our hot take on Twitter uh, on Saturday or Sunday whenever we lost to the Predators or whoever Sunday, we lost yeah. to. I've I, Who can remember? Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's been so many. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the Blues traded Paul Stastny, who's a pending unrestricted free agent, to the uh, Winnipeg Jets to receive a first-round pick and the rights to prospect Eric Foley, as well as, or oh, yeah. I think in place of a fourth-round pick. I think if he doesn't sign, we get a fourth-round pick. In 2020, yeah. Uh, but if he does, we don't. 
I want to sign him. I feel like he's yeah, already but, a better. He's already better than some nameless fourth round. Yeah, I'd be totally fine with Plus that. Plus, he was picked in the third round. Come on, Doug. Get us a third <laughs> round pick. Come on, Doug. This is a total failure now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, big surprising trade in the eyes of a lot of the like analysts and stuff who maybe weren't quite as in tune with the Blues and what they were up to the last few weeks in terms of their, at the time, six-game losing streak. But uh, not a huge shock to us. I think it's a a surprise in the sense that we didn't necessarily think Army would have the stones to pull the trigger, but I think it was, I think it was the right move. What did you think of the move? Yeah, it was, it's definitely the right move. We kind of talked about what message does this send to the team or the fans? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, it's as simple as saying you guys weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. And I think you had brought it up earlier, maybe off the air this week, that uh, Ron Hextall, the GM mm-hmm. of the Flyers, went out and got Peter Morazic for the Flyers because he said this team deserves it. They've played so well. They deserve me going out and trying to help them. Mm-hmm. And I think Doug Armstrong <laughs> traded Paul Stasny and said, look, you don't deserve my help. Yeah. And so I'm going to set this franchise up for, you know, better pastures tomorrow. I'm selling Paul Stasny for the first. And if we really want to, and if Paul Stasny really loves it here, we can sign him this summer. Yeah. I he would wants advise to be against reunited it. with his best friend, Alex Dean, who's definitely been his best friend the whole time, and we've known about that yeah. for sure. A hundred percent. They say every article. Yeah, we could sign him. I, I, nah, let's not. But I feel like you're re- a fine player. Feels like it's kind of retreading water. You're mm-hmm. already moving on at this point. Don't after you've had a breakup. Don't get back together. It's just over. Yeah, it'll. It is interesting to me that he's now uh, Jet and he got a goal and an assist in his debut, which was a six-five loss to Nashville, but. It's weird to me because I guess in the back of my head, like, I'd always assumed that re-signing him was, like, our plan, if not A, like, A prime or whatever, you know? (laughs) And, like, I never really envisioned him being on another team. So now knowing that he's on the Jets and is probably going to be on another team after the free agency, you know, assuming we don't re-sign him, it is kind of strange to see him. Um, I think he's a player whose Blues tenure, if it does not extend at all, will be remembered as something of a disappointment just because of the contract he signed and when he signed it and the ESPN tone going off <laughs> on my phone, um, which I'm sure is going to tell me that he signed an extension with the Jets because ESPN <laughs> does so much first-rate hockey coverage. Um, Top-notch. But uh, he... Um, Signed here for $7 million a year and never performed up to that level by people's standards, and I think rightfully so. Uh, but as I mentioned in the um, some of the comments leading up to the deadline and uh, on the hot take, we uh, he was he's a top face-off man in the NHL. And as I said, when the talk started to be that he'd play between Ehlers and Line A, I was I said he could get 20 points in the remainder of the season easily with those guys and have like a 60 plus point season and really raise his stock, you know, and I think he could be on path to do that, which is another reason we shouldn't resign him because if he raises his stock to being a 5 plus million dollar player instead of 
you know, five being a ceiling, I don't think that's Mm -hmm. necessarily waters we should be swimming in. But, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, do we want to talk just all blues trade stuff now, or are we going to wait a little past anything? All blues trade stuff, like looking forward? Yeah. Uh, Let's wait at the end of the episode. We are going to talk more about what maybe they didn't do and what they need to do uh, towards the off season when we get there, if okay. that's all right with you. No, no, I didn't want to go off on some rant and just no. start going on and <laughs> You're on. totally fine. Uh, yeah, some of the moves that they didn't make at the deadline, we'll discuss a little bit later. Okay. Uh, we have a fan question, um, and fan, such a such an arrogant word. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll talk about some of that later. I think my, la- my last comment is I ho- harbor no resentment or bad feelings towards Paul Stasny. I wish him the best in all his future endeavors, as companies say when they fire people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now get out. And uh, yeah, I just I, I will remember his time here fondly, even if it's with a little bit of remorse, I guess, over what didn't happen. Um, and then just a minor note to pass on: Jordan Kyrou last night became the first player in the OHL to record a hundred points for the season, which mm-hmm. is an impressive number, especially considering the fact that he missed nine games for the World Juniors Tournament. Uh, he also leads the league in assists with 65, uh, which means he still has 35 goals, which is impressive. And uh, I think he was named Player of the Week for the third time this week after a seven-point outing against some team, let's say the Manitoba, uh, whatever they're called, Steel mm-hmm. Jaws or whatever. <laughs> Uh, Hatchetman, I forget. I know it, but it's not in my head right now. Um, I am more and more hyped about Jordan Cairo. I have tried to hold off on him particularly because I do see some of the Tyratty comparisons. Mm-hmm. But the more he does and the more hype surrounding him, the more I'm like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. And the only thing for me now is like, I want all these guys next year. And I know it's not reasonable, but mm. I won. <laughs> yeah, we might talk about that a little bit later. Is that yeah, it's these young guys are very good, uh, and they're quote unquote NHL ready. Yeah, meaning more or less like AHL ready. Yeah, I just don't know how fast they get into the lineup next year. Give me a line that's like Robert Thomas, <laughs> Quim Costin, and Nikita Sashnikov, and a second line that's like. Cairo, Sanford, and Foley, <laughs> and give me seven wins, which is all we'll yeah. get, but I want it. Um, so, yeah, that's good news for him, uh, which is right now, as Blues fans, we can take all the good news we can get. And so we're going to start reflecting on the week that has been in Blues games. Uh, we're not going to spend painstaking amount of time going over the specifics mm-hmm. of the games. We didn't even think to assign who was going to take which game, so we're just going to wing it. Yeah, um, that just occurred to me. But uh, we'll start with the Jets game, because we have to. Uh, <laughs> the Jet the Jets beat the Blues 4 to nothing in St. Louis. Uh, it was just an underwhelming performance. I think the, the thing... To remember going into the Jets game, one of the one of the interesting notes about this week is going into each loss, there was a different storyline for why it wasn't going to be a loss. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd lost four in a row, I guess, heading into this stretch. And after the four in a row, which was when we lost to 
San Jose. San Jose, yeah. three to two or whatever. Uh, they had this big team meeting on a Saturday, and they canceled practice. I think it was a Saturday because they had casino night that night. Uh, maybe yeah, I can't wasn't. remember. Maybe I guess it wasn't because they had the Jets were Friday. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of them so weekdays. Thursday, Thursday or Friday. Um, Thursday, I guess. But they had this big team meeting. It was a you know closed door festivist style airing of grievances and they canceled practice afterwards because it had been so heated and intense and they had casino night that night and the storyline and the storyline <laughs> going into the Jets game was um you know they had this meeting the team's going to have a new fire tonight they're going to have a new tenacity they're going to be different and they weren't and i think we got about 8 solid minutes of effort and then it, about halfway through the first period, almost exactly, Nick Patan scored his second goal of the season, assisted by Mark Scheifele. Uh, just, I think it's one of those situations that happened a lot during this stretch where the Blues would have a good opening few mm-hmm. minutes, and then they'd allow a goal, and it would just be like the balloon popped, and they just wouldn't yeah, really be snowballed. on the ice anymore. Um Chris Butler tried to pass this uh, right out the boards because he apparently thought Mark Scheifele isn't very good, uh, but Mark Scheifele is really good, so he <laughs> picked it off. Uh, and then Butler, who, God love him, just does not belong Mm-mm. in top central division NHL competitive play right now, uh, just falls down as he tries to chase Scheifele. Uh, fails entirely. Scheifele passes it across the net, virtually through Vince Dunn, who is young and I really love, but maybe isn't quite seasoned enough to carry Chris Butler's slack, I guess, to put it politely. Yeah, And I it agree. goes right through him, and Patan knocks it on uh, a really empty net. And uh, this one which I think we're beyond assigning blame for goals and trying to defend one goalie against another, although we'll talk about that more after we kind of go through the games. But this one certainly wasn't on Allen. Uh, I say that, and then I have a lot of notes calling out which goals really were on Allen. (laughs) But uh, the real nail in the coffin was 43 seconds later when Blake Wheeler scored his 18th of the season, assisted by Kyle Connor and Mark Scheifele who's still good. Uh, Josh Morrissey took a high stick from Yaskin before this, but they never blew the whistle because they scored. Uh, There was a saucer pass that got to Wheeler as he raced up the ice. Uh, He came in and got around Pareko and shot high to the opposite side of Allen. Allen really didn't cut his angle down here uh, and got beat to the far side where he had no business getting beat, and he even said that it was a bad goal that was on me. Uh, didn't look good. The Jets didn't look back. They scored another. Did you have something to add there? I've kind oh, of steamrolled. I was going to but... say that that goal where he was off his angle was like, I know we just said we weren't going to rip on Allen, but uh-huh. that was like a really off his angle. I think they showed yeah. they showed an angle, a camera angle of it, where he's essentially guarding the post. Yeah, the, the far post mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. not, not yeah. the one that would be a little bit better yeah, to guard. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it was not good. Um the Jets didn't look back. They scored a goal with 90 seconds left. Kyle Connor on the power play. Wheeler and Bufflin assisting. Uh, a lot of puck movement on the power play, which worked. Who would have thought? Um, <laughs> Wheeler took a high wrister off of Allen, and Connor just knocked it in. I don't. I think Allen, even when he's on his game, 
struggles a lot with rebound control. I think mm-hmm. that's one of his bigger weaknesses, even when he's excelling. So when he's struggling, I just almost don't even want to blame him. Yeah. If he saves the first shot, the defense should do something. Uh, and then uh, the Blues were booed off the ice after the first period, which we will revisit. Um, <laughs> Patrick Wine scored a goal six minutes into the second. Um Line A had 29 this season. He was assisted by Ehlers and Andrew Kopp. Uh, Ehlers and Line A are really good. Line A skated Bo Meester on this one and sniped it past Allen. Um, this is about when Allen started getting Bronx cheers for making basic covers and saves. Uh, and the rest of the night was just... A dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was the Jets took their foot off the throttle. They probably could have gotten several more goals mm-hmm. if they'd really desperately wanted them. It's almost amazing to see it just as a 4-0 loss yeah. after future losses after this game. 4-0 doesn't sound yeah, as exactly. bad. Uh, and this is one of the strange stories, especially this uh, period of losses, is that the Blues heavily outshot the Jets, 34-23, to uh, they won 67% of the face-offs, which seems borderline impossible. Uh, the Jets were one for five on the power play, which for a really skilled team is a pretty okay kill percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, we were 0 for 4, though, of course. Um, the hits, we out-hit them. They got one more block than us. And then, of course, we had seven giveaways to their two. Uh, but even the Corsi 4 percentage, which we've mentioned before, is... Just kind of a basic stat for measuring overall possession of the game flow and kind of overall threat level, I guess, is Mm -hmm. one way of putting it. Uh, The Blues were at 51.32%, so technically they had slightly more control over the game, (laughs) if you'll believe it. It's obviously not a perfect statistic considering the fact that uh, the Jets had four goals and we had none, but that was what the numbers said. What do you say about this game? Uh, what was this? This followed the San Jose game where we lost 3-2, to two, and I thought the Blues had a pretty good effort in that one. This one, not so much at all. Not so good. There wasn't, well, I would say there wasn't a lot of pushback. There wasn't any pushback, mm-hmm. which we've come to become accustomed with with this team. And I'm glad we can kind of transition to this, if you don't mind. I'm kind of glad that people were booing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I understand the whole you got to stand with your team through the hard stuff. And I guess the thing is, you are if you're there. If you're at the game, you paid money, so you're standing with your team. Mm-hmm. But also, you live in Wentzville, and you drove here, and you spent money on gas, and you got a babysitter, and you went to go see this team, and they just phoned it in. And I'm beyond the whole, like, they're millionaires and they're not trying their best, whatever. It's just the money you spent. And it's not even that, really. It's mm-hmm. more just, like, en- entertain me, do something. Yeah. I just wasted two and a half hours of my life for you guys to do nothing. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel if I watch baseball and it's a pitcher's duel and that's very nice. I'm mm. not a baseball person, but at 0-0, zero, zero, do something. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's beyond me. I hate being at those games live. I'm glad I wasn't at this one because I just feel like I could have done anything. Mm-hmm. I could have been reading a book. Mm-hmm. Could have been folding laundry. Yeah. At least when you're at home and this stuff happens, you can change a channel or put on Stranger Things. <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah, I agree. And we'll talk more about the quotes specifically. I did want to mention just kind of talking about the the difference in shots. I just tweeted out a heat map so you all can see it. Uh, we go to naturalstattrick.com, which is our new favorite website for more advanced metrics and stats for hockey. But, number one website. Uh, <laughs> number one website. Uh, but just this heat map just absolutely tells the tale, and you're not looking at it again, but just pretty much all but maybe two to four of the jet shots are within the circles mm-hmm. or closer. And the boys have shots from those areas, uh, but they just have a lot more deeper in. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like, I don't mind guys. I don't mind our defensemen certainly taking shots if they're getting through and people are crashing the net, but I don't think that's really happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we just tweeted that out as an example, so you can take a look at it. Um, yeah, so obviously lots of jeering, as you mentioned, uh, just some quotes about that. And this is this is what really ticked me off. And I think Randy Carricker of 101 ESPN, the afternoon drive time host, who is, I think, a, a pretty smart Blues fans in a lot of ways, just wrote a piece that I thought was really good. I think we tweeted it out earlier in the re- week, but I'll try to check if we didn't and retweet it. But um, I don't know if you saw it, but it was basically about never start a war with the fans because mm. you can't win. And that's kind of my approach. This is the fifth loss in a row at this point. And I think some of the things the Blues players said that we're about to regurgitate are just asinine. Mm-hmm. Um when you're when you're beat four to nothing, you know this is this isn't a fan base that's booing you for a good three to two effort. Mm-hmm. We weren't booing against the Sharks or the Stars or whoever else we lost to before this. You are beat four to nothing. Yeah, in your in home, your own yeah. home and early, and there's like no effort, you know. Uh, but Tarasenko said uh, one thing I can address to every one of you. I guess talking to the. Uh, reporters and the fans too. The goalies are the last guys who we can blame on this, which I guess is just his broken English. <laughs> uh, this is just embarrassing to hear. A lot of guys have never played hockey and they cheer when Jake makes a save, which again, Bronx cheer in that case. If not for the goalies, we'd be in a worse spot right now. They can blame us, they can blame everyone, but don't touch the goalies. Me personally, I know how hard Alan works. I know how much he's done for the organization, and especially this year and last year. I don't understand why people blame the goalies. That's wrong. And he went on to say later, I want to explain, I don't blame fans, but trust me, as a guy who understands hockey, the goalies do a lot for us. If they uh, not if they not play their hockey, we'd be mm-hmm. out of the playoffs right now. Sometimes you could clean up Do the courts a little hockey. bit. Uh, we need to score goals. There's no excuses. This is on me personally and on all of us. Now we just need to find a way to put the puck in the net. If you can't score, you can't win the game. So I take this blame and promise we will work, make the playoffs, and have a good run, which is all lies. Yeah, don't lie, That's to all me. False. don't lie to me. Uh, the, the part there that really hacks me off is the couple of times he makes the comments along the lines of, of people who know hockey, mm. implying that no one who comes to Blues games, who's paid $30, $20 minimum probably, mm. to get in the door, not to mention to eat or drink or pee or poop <laughs> in the building. <laughs> but that's just such an insipidly stupid argument and mm-hmm. I, we saw it uh 
on Twitter sometimes. We see it a lot from like uh, I've seen Kelly Chase, who I respect and I, I think is a great commentator and was uh, good in his role as a hockey player too. And I'm not trying to call him out because he kicked the crap out of me, even if I was <laughs> trying to. But I, I've just seen some comments from him to different people saying, you know, what do you know? Where are your sources? You're a nobody. Shut up. Sort of, you know, mm-hmm. who are saying things about the locker room or whatever. And I get so friggin' tired of this old boys club attitude of like, we're the hockey players. You just keep your opinions to yourself mm-hmm. and we'll keep doing that hockey, as Chance <laughs> the Rapper said. Uh, I know we've talked about this. I'll let you talk about it in a minute too, but I just. That attitude is such a hockey thing to me. Not that it doesn't pop up in other sports, but like nobody in the NFL can be like, you don't know football. Because a lot of NFL fans spend more time studying fantasy football stats than they do like time with their family during (laughs) the football season, you know? I mean, so like, and there's so much media coverage. It's 24-7 and the people covering it are like, Herm Edwards and John Gruden and like really established coaches and all this, you know, and the maybe the average whatever hockey fan gets like two minutes of Jeremy Roenick a day or whatever. So Mm -hmm. it's not the same level of exposure, but it's such nonsense to think and to call out your fans on that and be like, you don't really know what this is about because we do, you know, and Mm -hmm. like you and I spend a lot of time, but I'm not trying to pat us on the back. Everyone we interact with, you know, we have people we disagree with, but there's very rarely someone I see on Twitter that's like, do you even know what hockey is? You know? So yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's not like this was a one-off thing with Alan where like he sucked today. (laughs) And so let's blame him, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I could go on forever. I'll let you speak. The last (laughs) thing I want to say is if you want to take the blame on yourself, then score some goals. And exactly. give your guys some support. Please take it away. <laughs> no, that's what I was going to say was, you know, he said something about, you know, you don't want to have the, don't jeer Allen and don't, you know, those cheers for Allen, sarcastic cheers for Allen. We don't like that. And I was like, you know, they're for all of you. Mm. They're for the whole team. I hope you know that. It's not like, oh, thanks, Jake Allen. It's like, thanks all of you for not doing yeah. anything this game. I've takes some annoyance with the fact that it's like, you know, don't blame the goalies. They do mm-hmm. a lot for us. I agree because there do seem to be a lot of fans that just if a goal is scored, goalies fault no matter what, yeah. which isn't true. But I think the opposite, you shouldn't take the opposite direction of, look, it's never the goalie's fault. The mm-hmm. goalie you know, is always in the right spot. Sometimes it's both. And I want to sort of drive that point home for this whole blues losing streak because it's really both. Mm-hmm. You can blame Jake Allen. Carter Hutton had some crappy games too, but the Blues in front of them, the team in front of them, stunk too. It's everybody, and the fact I thought it was a little deflecting of uh, Tara Sank to be like, "Oh, you know, don't blame Allen, blame us." I'm like, we do blame you. If I could be down there, I'm like, yeah, I totally blame you too. Yeah. They're all all of you, yo, coaching staff, Armstrong, all y'all are to blame. Mm-hmm. And that's I that's what annoyed me the most was just like, look, I, do you know that everyone just PO'd at you? And like you said, if you don't want this, then you got to play better. Fix it. Easier yeah. said than done, but like have an effort. That's the mm-hmm. whole problem with this whole streak is it's like, where's the effort? When we were a crappier team in like, ooh, I don't know, 2009, 
and we made the playoffs, mm-hmm. we were a much crappier team, and we would went on a whole losing streak for the whole first half of the year. But I don't remember it looking like just lifeless. Mm-hmm. We just didn't have the skill. Now we have more skill. I would still argue not enough skill, but more skill, and the effort's just gone. Yeah, yeah, it's. And it's so frustrating. Honestly. You, you need to rub whatever it sounds to me. You need to rub two brain cells together to have an effort. Like it's not yeah. that hard to try, right? And and one of the things that's frustrating about hockey in particular is like you have the effort lines, mm-hmm. which when you really kind of break it down, boggles your mind. Like the idea that the reason Chris Thorburn has a job is he tries harder <laughs> than other people, which like is not a shot at Chris Thorburn, but like if. Tarasenko, Steen, Bergwin, Bergwin, mm-hmm. Bergwin, 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 <laughs> Saboka. If those guys tried as hard as Chris Thorburn and were just good, like mm-hmm. I don't, that, that's kind of bogg- mind boggling when you think about it as well. Um, I've been trying to find a statistic to back this up, but I think observation backs it up well enough. Two, and the other point I want to make before I read a couple more of these quotes and we let you talk about the Nashville crapper of a game as in detail or not as you might <laughs> do is uh, one of the things that really bothers me about this quote that I think is really in, s- sort of insipid to the point of almost like being a little nefarious. That's not the Ooh. right word, but I can't think of the word I want is the idea that like your support, you as a team are, for whatever reason, supporting Carter Hutton in that far better than Jake mm-hmm. Allen. His goals for, oh, that's what I was trying to look up and the data I could find ended last year. But his goals, like his goal support is bonkers mm-hmm. better than than Allen's is right now. And that's not to say Hutton's not doing a better job. I get that. Maybe it's interrelated where you just don't have the same confidence with Allen out there as you do uh, with a with Hutton, but like you've got to back the guy up. Mm-hmm. If you don't want your guy booed, you go back him up. It's not my job to back him up. And I've, by the way, have done plenty as much as I can to back up Alan on Twitter and stuff. You know, I think we've done a fair, our fair share yeah. on Twitter to be like, listen, I know we want to hate Alan, but that's the easy way out. And there's a lot bigger problems, you know, but mm. Uh, yeah, if, ooh, I could go for a long time on this because it makes me so angry and it's so stupid. <laughs> and the thing I hate about it is it's always like, well, we don't want to blame the fans, but let's bitch about the fans for 30 seconds mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's just like, shut up, win games. You win games. Yeah. We won't boo. You know, the only thing I'll give them is at least this was new. This is different. It was new, yeah. They weren't talking about looking in mirrors or anything. It was a new thing to bitch about, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Petrangelo said, we didn't score goals, so you can't win the game by not scoring a goal. I don't like the jeering. It's been bothering me. I'm not going to say anything about the fans as he is saying things about the fans. Uh, but it's disappointing to hear that we've got his back. Like the fans don't either. Like that's the other thing. Like the fans don't want Jake Allen to succeed. (laughs) You know, like they wouldn't have much rather he have a shutout that game. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the other mind boggling thing. And then Yo said, for sure it should bother your teammates because you care for them. You love him and you feel for him. I don't think by saying that, I don't think there's any disrespect to our fans. There was. Uh, our players <laughs> love our fans. They know the support that they have, and they know how passionate they are about us winning and us performing. But, of course, I mean, when it comes down to it, they love their teammates, and they feel sorry for Jake for what's going on. 
Uh, we haven't scored goals for him. Obviously, when you're not scoring goals, then if Jake Watt's in a bad goal right now, we can't absorb that because we haven't been scoring goals. So I don't think that Jake is going to hide from this in any way. I don't think he's going to come up here and say he's playing the best hockey of his life. But I also don't think that we as a group can say we've helped him out a whole lot, too, which is weird. Um and then the last thing I'll say, because I could say more, but I'm not going to, uh, <laughs> is uh, this <laughs> bullshit, for lack of a better <laughs> word, which was an Alexander Steen quote that really bother- bothered me, which isn't fan related. It's just it's more along the typical lines of we'll get it on straight. But oh, it yeah. he says, well, look, we've got 20 games here. Obviously, we've done a lot of talking and it needs to start showing up on the ice now. 20 games and we're in a fight here. We're in a good division and we're going to play some good teams. But, you know, I think we need to find that swagger and confidence in us again and get back to our game. Like I said, there's a lot of points on the table, but this needs to turn around next game. And with that, Ian, why don't you take us through the next <laughs> game, unless you have something else to oh, say no. about it this did, one. It did not turn around next game <laughs> at all. I don't even think the Blues looked good to start the game. No, nope, I mean, not particularly. In all honesty, if you thought this was going to be a win, after the Blues <laughs> were up 3-0 on Nashville, lost in the last, or had it tied in the last 10 minutes of the last time they were in Nashville, mm-hmm. and then lost in overtime, and you've sat through these other, what is it, five losses at this point? Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know what? This is the game they turn around. <laughs> this was not going to be it. Nope. You were high on meth. Like, ridiculous. Which, who could blame you? Yeah, if you're in Missouri, you might be high yeah. on meth. Who knows? Uh, first goal by Colton Sissons in the first period at 445. Gross name. Gross Colton name to S- say. Sissons? Yeah, that's correct. It's that sounds gross. like a, a middle evolution of a Pokemon. <laughs> it comes right before Scizor. Yeah. Scyther, Sissons, Scizor. Yeah. Like it. Look it, I look like it, it. up. <laughs> it's not there. We made it up. Um, and Scizor, I used to think, was dope. By he's the way. still dope. He's dope, but he's not a very good Pokemon. Is he Steel Bug? <laughs> yeah. That's some a weird mix. Mm, that's not a good mix. typing. They've got like super, super duper weaknesses and stuff. Yeah. Look it up, folks. It's all true. Yeah, come at me with up. your Pokemon knowledge. <laughs> uh, Golden Sissons, end to end breakaway on the power play, which is great. Turris knocks a few between Brodziak <laughs> and Bowmeister. <laughs> Sissons collects and snaps it home. Short side Allen and above his shoulder. I do remember this. This did. I'm so. I don't want to harp on Allen, but this is one he probably should say. Yeah. Look, that's it's not it. the worst one this game. Yeah, look, it's we'll, not. We'll go by that. What happened? Defensive breakdown. Uh, there's a goal then scored ten minutes later, which is really an achievement to let it go that long <laughs> without another goal. Kevin Fiala. Who has a he has complete, both legs again. completely healed femur? Calm down. <laughs> yeah, you don't want one of those folks. That's where the bone comes out. Uh, Petrangelo has his pocket picked next to Rene. Smith hits Fiala at center ice, but not in the leg. Who is on a two on one on Bowmeister? Two on one on Bowmeister with Yossi. Yeah. Fiala freezes Allen and goes far side roof to Allen's credit off the crossbar. But, like, I mean, before Ed the crossbar, he could have stopped. It's two on one. I almost, I almost, unless it's a really lazy pass, give it to the goalie because what are you going to do? You got to play, you got to play the, the shot. Two on one against Bo Meester, which on his off days is like two on half. <laughs> no. I just don't know about that guy anymore. First period ended. Predators up two nothing. Not. Not good. I was going to say better than last game, but like, 
in, we, in the fact that it was two nothing and not three nothing. Yeah, we <laughs> won't we won't try and tidy up this crap hole. I mean, it really just is no good. Second period, Scott Hartnell goal, who used to play for the Predators, now plays for them again. I believe. I mean, he does now, but I believe he played for him really early on when he had those gross silver jerseys. He's got to be like 37 or 38. We should not be letting Scott Hartnell score goals on 11 us. goals this season, which yeah. blew my mind. He's, oh, you said you didn't like uh, Colton Sissons, but on this Scott Hartnell goal, he's just <laughs> assisted by Cal Yarncroke. Yeah, they had the worst names on that team. Mm. We haven't even touched Ekholm. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I remember this goal. This was uh, one where it went off Hartnell's skate. It went across crease. Yeah. Hartnell. I want to dwell on this one yeah. a little bit. No, go ahead. There was no kicking motion. No. And that's the rule. Yes. It just needs to be a kicking there's, motion. There's two but rules we're going to address as kind of BS in this podcast episode. Special little treat Deal with it. You don't like the look, establishment. There, the rule was correct. In both cases, the rule was correctly enforced. Mm-hmm. So I'm not complaining about the call on the ice. It was correct. Which is a nice change of pace in the NHL. But this is a play where Scott Hartnell is very queerly standing there, sees the play, play developing, looks down at his skate and thinks, if I move my skate from a acute angle to an Ooh. obtuse angle, <laughs> 45 to 110, then I can deflect this goal puck around Allen and into the net. And he, that's exactly what he did. And Alan, I think, maybe gestured that it was, like, off the foot. And they, I don't think they ultimately did a review. Was this when the ref cussed out? Uh, yo, or was that for the high-sticking in the Minnesota game? Ooh, this was in the Minnesota game, okay. I think. We'll yeah. talk about that then, because uh, we're getting there. But, um, so, yes, the rule on foot goals is it's a goal unless there's a distinct kicking motion. But this is, as the other discussion will be, kind of a spirit versus letter of the law discussion. When you intentionally use your foot very clearly mm-hmm. to score a goal, to me that is not kosher. That is like a violation of the spirit of the law. And I'm not saying, again, that it wasn't called correctly on the ice. I'm just saying change the rules so that's part of it. <laughs> and as I mentioned to you in a text about the Bowmeister play we're going to talk about, I think one of the weird things that is a, necess- a necessary evil when you're talking about officiating is the idea that every rule we make tries to tries to take referee discretion out of it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And I get that inclination because you don't want games costed by a referee's decision that's wrong or whatever, or even debatable. But look, there's discretion already in distinct kicking motion, right? We've seen plays all the time where they deliberate for like four or five minutes because is it a kick or is it not a kick? And God help me if I get started on goaltender interference which is almost as bad as the catch roll in the NHL. So, like, the referee's discretion is there 
regardless. Mm-hmm. I know it's a slippery slope. Like, that's the counter argument. It's a slippery slope. You call this one a no goal, you got to call every foot goal a no goal. And before that, you just won't be able to skate on your feet. You're going <laughs> to have your knees, and it'll be sled hockey in two years. That's how the line of logic goes. I don't buy into that. These officials, even in the NHL, lots of them are good eggs. There are some bad eggs, but lots of them are good <laughs> eggs. And I just, I don't know, that one bothered me. It's a total tangent, but I did want to mention it, and I'm glad you brought it up because I did think it, it was kind of stupid. <laughs> no, I agree, but, I mean, this team sucks. So they, <laughs> oh, they yeah. were... All of that said, totally deserved <laughs> loss. They would have scored another mm. third goal. It wouldn't have just been a 3 nothing loss. They would have scored four. It was in the cards. <laughs> I do think it's kind of weird, and this would be another thing they could never really enforce. But sometimes when it's kicked in, mm-hmm. or not kicked in, angled in with the skate, it's far enough out and going at a certain slow enough velocity that I'm always thinking, you should try whacking it with your stick now. You should at least try. Mm-hmm. And I'll see players not even go for it. Yeah. And I mean, I get it because they, they might knock it away or you know they might screw it up somehow. But I'm like... Show me that you want to hit it with your <laughs> stick, and then we'll, then we'll talk about if it's a goal or not. Show me that you have a basic understanding of the, the game. game. Yeah. Why don't you try for that regular goal? <laughs> Austin Watson didn't try for a regular goal. <laughs> he tried for a shorthanded goal, and he got it. And succeeded. What a clever transition, by mm-hmm. the way. Real top-shelf stuff. This goal was nasty because, well, it was on a little bit of a breakaway, after a puck bouncing in front of Watson, he got to it first, but it was sort of a no-man's land, and I'm normally against our goalies going out to get the puck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm normally against that. But this was definitely a case of Jake Allen could have gotten there uh-huh. first, but I understand why he didn't try, because his confidence at this point at a 3-0 game had to have just been shattered. This was a goalie that would did not want to make another mistake and in doing so, made another mistake, was already backed deep into the net mm-hmm. on this breakaway. Deep, mm-hmm. deep, deep into the net. Again, I really can't fault him personally as Jake Allen. This is going to happen when you're on a losing streak of five games. Uh, easy goal for Austin Watson, who apparently has scored half of his goals, half of his eight goals, four of them on the Blues this season. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty neat. I was I was thinking about that even before I read the number, because I was like, this little bastard scores a lot against us. I hear his name a lot, but he's only got eight goals. So. This was a play, too, where, like, ugh, it was much... You remember you remember the days when we were, like, Alex Petrangelo is a frontrunner for the Norris Trophy. Mm-hmm. It's dead. Or it's the Vezina. all gone. Or the Vezina. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Vezina. A little callback to the bonus episode for y'all to think about. Um, this, he just gave it, he just like, he was yeah. just standing there and he just gave it to Ryan Johansson and Johansson flipped it just over him, just like a, a, a like a long pass <laughs> when one team in soccer is real good and one team's real bad and they just get beached and they break <laughs> the offsides trap and then it's just like a guy in on a goalie, which is the saddest thing in sports soccer you got that what like six by eight by ten frame or whatever (laughs) and this lonely little pathetic goalie has to try and guard the whole thing point being like you said uh alan's fault sure but other people's fault more and first Mm -hmm. (laughs) and primarily and when it's yeah and when it's your 4-0 goal whatever you all look bad i don't care who did it anymore yeah uh, no scoring in the third period, so you know what an achievement. We ended stronger. I 
in our show notes, I wrote no scoring in the third period because why bother on both of these games? Man, we outshot the Predators 39 yeah, to 27. Talk about these statistics a little bit because yeah. it's bonkers. Outshot the Predators 39 to 27. Face-offs pretty even. Blues at 51. Or no, Nashville at 51. The Blues 49. Was that right? Maybe I got these I all backwards. No, sorry. Nashville, Nashville outshot 39. us 39 I got it now. Yeah. I was just like, there's no way. We didn't look that dominating <laughs> at all. We had the face-offs 51 to 49%. 0 for 5 on the power play. I did think they gifted us a few. I really did think the refs were trying to help. <laughs> I really, really do. There was at least like, one is, or two hooks that were not This hooks. is an NBC NHL Sunday game, and it's just slaughter. Yeah. Get out there. <laughs> yeah, the announcing of Doc Emmerich and Darren Pang at this point was like a early June day game for the Cardinals against like a nobody oh, in divisional. in the sixth inning, yeah. it's 19 to nothing. When you can hear like the Which plane the overhead. Thing. It's the Bob Costas talking about Norway. You can only own two guinea pigs because they're prone to loneliness. <laughs> Greatest clip on YouTube, by the way. Look it up, Bob Costas guinea pigs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they just talk about weather and they were talking about like Nashville food, <laughs> and I almost feel bad for Pang. What's because, your favorite item yeah. number to order on at the Nashville <laughs> Barbecue House? Which I'm sure is what it's called. The Nashville, <laughs> Nashville Barbecue. Yeah, you were saying you almost feel bad for Pang just because he's local. And yeah, because he's local, and the, I mean he's feeling happier because he gets to talk about happy stuff. But it's like Doc doesn't care if the Blues lose. I mean I'm sure he cares a little, mm-hmm. but he's like whatever. But Pang's gonna be like, yeah, we're having fun in Nashville. Yippee! And then he's like, God. Damn it. <laughs> I'd really rather just go off on these players. I'm sure he wishes he could. Nashville was one for two yeah, on the he's power so play. Good for going off on people. Oh, yeah. We had more hits, 26-19. That'll happen when you have the puck a lot. More blocks, 14-11. to 11. Again, happen when you it's have the puck a lot. It's interesting, just as a side note, how wildly like the total number of hits can fluctuate game mm. to game. I've seen some that are like 11-8 to eight is the final total. Oh, yeah. And this is 26-19. to 19. And it wasn't even that physical a game because we sucked. <laughs> well, it's confusing, too, because, like you said, those totals will go completely different one mm-hmm. way or the other but i know they'll always say the home team tends to get more hits because it's like recorded by someone who doesn't travel you know yeah. it's not like a ref who travels it's like a there's a blues hit guy mm-hmm. counter so it's always like oh yeah that was a hit too so i don't entirely know why like they'll both go up or both go down i guess it's just discretion of the hit counter guy if you're the hit counter guy let us know what you're thinking <laughs> i just don't know uh, Nashville with more giveaways. Obviously, we did not capitalize whatsoever on said giveaways. We probably turned it right over in our 11 giveaways. Not very good. Nashville's Corsi, of course, with all their shots over us, 62%. So that's about 60% of the game flow was in our own end or with Nashville possessing the puck. So you're not going to win games like that most of the time. And the Blues during this losing streak, we're definitely not going to turn that one around magically. No. I think this... You know, we've got some stuff to talk about, I guess. Go ahead. I'm not trying to commandeer the shit, but I do think the big story of this game is just how much better a team Nashville is than us right Mm. now. We weren't all that close in the playoffs last year, and we've gotten worse and they've gotten better. Yeah, just accept Um, it at this point. And that's like, that's gross, and I'm going to hate Nashville more and more over the next Mm -hmm. few years. But like, there's a reality there where it's like, 
they just are better, you know? And I think about that with the Cardinals and the Cubs, too, because it's like everybody's like, you got to keep pace with the Cubs. And I'm like, you can't because you didn't draft Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, <laughs> you know, and trade for... I'm not going on that tangent, but you get it. Like, you yeah. can't just be that good a team overnight, and that's fine. But, like, they're just out of our league right now, and it's one of the things where I talk about, you know, where I think about when we, we'll we talk about it later, like, is this team even playoff-bound? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Other than the cup, you know, the, the money it'll make Stillman to get two home games, which may be all he gets, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't matter at all because it's, regard, you know, we're just not a quality team right now. Um, just walls of text that I'm not going to spend too much time on because we've already pontificated plenty, but there was one thing that uh, really ticked me off in this one, although it it's going to have a happy ending in the final game of this series, so yay. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Brodziak said a lot of, I think, kind of telling quotes, which I really appreciate because it's uh, not the normal, like, look in the mirror, yada, yada, yeah. yada, you know, what you mentioned about the... Uh, fans' comments, which is true, but he said, I think we're frustrated and we're not sure ex- exactly what to do as I try to peer around my microphone to be able to read. Uh, I, we're not sure exactly uh, what. I think there are just a lot of guys who you just feel are not sure what to do, what we need to do, uh, to which Mike Yo said, well, we'll have to help him with that, which uh, part of me is like, good on you, Yo, because F these guys. But another part of me is like, no, Kyle Brodziak's telling the truth, and you don't have to be the guy now who's like, oh, well, we'll get him to think into the group think that's cost us six games in a row. You know, <laughs> like we'll have to help him with that. Like, oh, I've known the plan all along. Yeah. It's just that. Could my, you help the rest of the yeah, team? Exactly. Um, Brodziak went on to say, it's tough. We've got to find a way, whatever it is we need to do, talk about it, work on things, yada, yada, yada. We've got to do something to find some kind of spark, some kind of light here. Uh, Yo said, uh, we can sit around and hope that something magical is going to happen. We've put ourselves in a hole and we've got to get ourselves out of it right now. It's pretty simple. The way to do that is, number one, as coaches, make any changes that we need to make, but ultimately it's going to come down to work. That's the only way. Which is true, but it's also a total BS response. Because then work. Like, Mm -hmm. it's the easiest part to just work harder, you know? There was so much broken in this streak. Just do it. Just fix it. Um, <laughs> lots of other quotes that I'm not just going to bother with at the moment. Uh, we did not mention uh, because it hasn't happened yet. So never mind. Chron- <laughs> chronologically, we're good. Because here's a quote from Paul Stasny, the then Blues Center. In times like this, spoiler alert, <laughs> uh, you need everyone on the same page. He's about to get off that page real <laughs> This fast. is fun to listen to. Uh, it can be tough sometimes. It's always easier said than done. Doing what you've got to and kind of rely on the guy next to you who's about to be Blake Wheeler. To you to do his job to instead of kind of overthinking it. And that's what tends to happen sometimes. Um, True. Yeah, exactly. That Kyle Brodziak quote reminded me a lot of the T.J. Oshie sort of infamous quote back when uh, Hitch was here, and he was like talking about how things were too complicated. That's a little different, mm-hmm. but he was like, people don't understand what's going on. I don't know if Yo's quite the same light, but I I really want to know what that means. I think Brodziak went on and clarified at mm-hmm. some point that he just meant like they just don't know how to communicate or something like that, that but it's just confusing. Season two and. Uh, 
maybe it was Steen or whoever. I, I can't remember who said it. I think maybe Steen, though. Somebody talked about, like, the plan is more complex at home. The oh, game plan yeah, or yeah. whatever. I don't know who it was. But um, that, I wonder if there's some truth to that. Well, you know? so, in that same... This well, obviously wasn't a home game, so it doesn't apply here. But. In that same quote, though, I remember it was kind of like this one. Whoever it was, Steen or oh, Petrangelo, Chris, said that. very, like... Yeah. Good boy said that's not true. He right. goes, yeah, we've. I think we play the same way, home and away. And I was like, so what's... The, this is, leads me to think there's a disconnect. Yeah. And they fun do the fun little coy, oh, we'll get them on the same page. I'm like, okay. But what's, like, really <laughs> happening? Like, that's a fun line. But, yeah. like, what are you telling them that they're, like, not getting? Mm-hmm. And I, we can talk about that maybe after these games. But as a little teaser... At what point is this also a little on the Mike coach? Yo. Yeah. I think we're getting to that point. I think the the, the honeymoon period's over with Mike Yo. Let's talk about yeah. that after, but I mm-hmm. think that is a good teaser. Um, Stastny, Shannon, Bergwin, three centers combined for zero shots on goal, zero block shots, and total of three missed shots with... Uh, <laughs> when I say zero block shots, none of their shots were blocked. So between the three of them, they took three attempts and they all missed the net um the only kind of highlights of this game was uh nick flair nikita sashnikov's long-awaited debut he's the first ever 90 in blues history uh he came as advertised with a team high four hits in this game he also took two shots on goal and played 15 minutes 15 and a half minutes which is pretty good time on ice for a debut um A good first game by him. He brought speed. He brought competitiveness and made a few plays. I thought he fit in well. He was physical in the game, so it was a good first game for him from Yo. Uh, It was his first NHL game since November 16th and his first game anywhere since February 11th, so it's impressive that he's just Mm -hmm. right back on up to speed. Um, He said, It's a good thing to get back playing, but it's a tough start. Six consecutive games losing. Circumstances not good for us. We're playing our division right now, and every game is like a playoff game right now. We've got to start winning games. I didn't try to change something on the team. Uh, They've been good all season long until now. (laughs) That was my addition, not Nick's. And I just played my game. I'm trying to help my team right now. That's my goal, to help the team, not my own reasons. Which I wonder if it was already a shot at his teammates. That's too deep. It (laughs) can't be. We're going down the rabbit hole. But I wonder if he's like looking at Patrick Bergwin. I'm not trying to do my own reasons right now. I'm trying to help the team. Also, I haven't heard Nick Flair speak. Does he have like a real thick Russian accent? Or I don't is he know. Pretty good? Uh, I, he had a really good game, and I love those quotes because you hear it from every hockey mm-hmm. player when they get traded. They'll lament, you know, they really love that old team. And I mean, I believe it, you know, when Stasny got traded right after this game, he was like, you know, I have all these great friends here in the Blues. I really love that old team that couldn't bother to ice me. Yeah. <laughs> I think after I like. After dragging my frigid ass <laughs> over here from Siberia. <laughs> I love. I like that they say all that stuff, but then it's so fun that when they're on this new team, they like immediately are like, "Look, we're playing, we're playing our divisional opponent. Yeah. We know this. I'm Nikita <laughs> Sashnikov, and I know we always play in the Predators. They a huge rival for us." And uh, I'm like, Nikita, you don't play the Predators ever. They're like a handbook. They hand them on the plane. Yeah, exactly. Like... Look, grit, Nikita. If I say, <laughs> what are the buzzwords? Yeah, <laughs> Nikita. If you're looking in anything after this loss, what is it? <laughs> Is it a mirror? He goes, what are we going to try and keep our foot on more often? It's the gas pedal, Nikita. <laughs> he doesn't need any lessons in that. And as a preview, we'll talk about him more later, but I am 
stone cold drunk in love with this kid already. <laughs> I was gonna say smitten, but <laughs> Nikita Soshnikov. I am ready to buy that jersey. Get the mm. first ninety. You got to get the third jersey that comes out next year oh, for mm, Sash. Sash baby. Also, it's Soshnikov. It's Soshnikov. I almost want to get it's it. It's Soshnikov. What do you want to say? Oh, oh, it's not Soshnikov. Soshnikov, like or they said, it whatever a the hell times. else they're trying to yeah. say. Sash. Sashnikov. Uh, you know how Russians speak? <laughs> Sashnikov. Sashnikov. Ah, uh, boy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I want to get one. I could even personalize it to say Nick Flair on the back. You could just do a lot of stuff. Mm. I don't like that. I, out loud, it doesn't sound good. Throw that idea good. in the trash. Uh, <laughs> much like where Nick Schmaltz belonged. Jordan Schmaltz. Whichever Schmaltz we oh. have. I'm just kidding. He uh, returned... To the NHL this game, <laughs> partnering with Ben Stone. He got 12 and a half what minutes a of lifetime. Uh, he similarly <laughs> to <laughs> Sashnikov said, yeah, pretty good. I'm moving my feet, which was probably referring to the high ankle sprain he was recovering from. Obviously a tough loss, but I thought I was decent. <laughs> I think he was, uh, contrary to my comments before. <laughs> I love that. I really hope that was also staring at like his teammates like, no, I was fine. You don't get it. These guys suck. What a great! I know he just rejoined, uh-huh. but if that was someone like a Steen, uh-huh. I know exactly what the problem is because you can't have that like you can't have the attitude that quote connotates, yeah. you know. But like he's just rejoining, I get it's just yeah. a comment. But if some if you had Alexander Steen goes, oh, like I we played it, fine. yeah, I thought I was fine. What's the big deal? I'd be like, holy cow, <laughs> we got problems, dog. So true. Uh, finally, um, the. Shorthanded goal we allowed to Austin Watson was our seventh of the season, tied for eighth most in the NHL. Uh, gross. Um, <laughs> now, Minnesota game, we're going to go through it real fast. I'm not dwelling on these 11 goals, three of which were by us. I'm not going to detail, detail any of them because you either sat or willfully didn't sit through that game, and Godspeed to you either way. Um Jason Zucker scored first three minutes in so much for, oh, we had traded Paul Stastny at this point, something we were promised would galvanize the team, which I think is the specific word. (laughs) Yes. To quote Doug Armstrong, I think it's going to galvanize the team to understand that we have to play closer, we have to play tighter, we have to play more of that style that we played earlier in the season. So I'm hoping to see that resolve in our group. Obviously, it's going to be a test of their resolve on how they respond to this, but I expect them to respond well because I have big belief in the guys that are in there, which he doesn't because he was shopping them all at the deadline. I love that. Nobody's buying this. Uh... I wonder what his quote would have been if he traded half the team at that time. Well, I have big belief in Nikita Soshnikov, Vladimir Tarasenko, and Adam Musil. <laughs> Which would have been like, what you see is what you get, and just walk back to his office. And all of that galvanizing resulted in Vladimir Saboka turning the puck over and committing a penalty, and Jason Zucker scoring on the uh, ensuing um Whatever that's called, power play, play. I think. It, that thing we never do anything with, mm. that's called a power play, right? Yeah, I don't recognize it. His 26th, somehow, of the season, assisted by Sutter and uh, Stahl. He says Sutter, right? It's I think Ryan's, it's Suter. Okay, I can never keep which of those I straight. Uh, Mikhail Granlin scored. Um, <laughs> Vladimir Tarasenko scored. Uh, 
Do you have a comment on the Vova goal? Because it was decent. No, what you? I thought you had a good game. You know what? I'll I'll say it, and that's probably not a, a strong <laughs> controversy. Yeah. I thought Vladimir Tarasenko has been playing whilst naked bitten and not scoring as much as he had. I thought over these kind of losses, mm-hmm. I thought he's looked the same as he's almost ever looked, aside from not being able to score. People yeah. like always oh, floating more. I'm like ah. You know, I think he's floating as much as he normally floats, <laughs> which I know sounds bad, but I mean, that's the player he is. He's you're going to be in your offensive zone at the blue line, mm-hmm. more or less waiting for the puck or along the boards, and that's what it is. And I think it's just magnified when we're not winning, when we yeah. look all bad, then you can you see it. Connor more. McDavid does plenty of floating. He's just really good at hockey. Yeah, I always. Well, that's why I think we're like Patrick Kane. Who's yeah. yelling at Tyler Sagan to throw like this huge body check? <laughs> which, by the way, Tarasenko does do occasionally. Yeah. So, anyways, you remember the fight? He kills somebody earlier in the season. Oh yeah, the Oilers. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. Anyways, was I was just Cal- saying Caligula, Cajula. I can't remember who it was. It was all Maybe Ryan's it might have been. That. I know that for sure. But anyway, yeah. He, I just think he looked I good. I do think... <sighs> he had a lot of hustle. He looked... When he scores, you can tell that it's a weight off of his shoulders and he plays stronger yeah. throughout the game. Really, if he gets one goal in a game, you can see that the rest of the game he's playing better, yeah. even if he doesn't score that second goal. And he did. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll i go on this tangent a little bit, and apologies to those of you... Come with me. ...who don't like two-hour podcasts, because you're going to get one. But uh, I do think... Our fan base as a whole tends to blame stars and goalies for almost every problem, <laughs> except for, I mean, like, there are a lot of scapegoats, but, like, the big heat gets to be on those guys. Yeah. And I think the thing with the thing with Tarasenko that I, I really honestly believe is, like, when he floats, I think it's more a resp- response. It's not the Patrick Bergwin thing. Not to call out names, although yo will after this game, so I'm comfortable doing it. But it's not that thing of like, I don't care, I'm too important, I make too much money, whatever. It's more like, I don't want to call him a head case because he's not that at all, but I think he puts a lot of pressure on his shoulders to, and I was just talking crap to him about it, his Allen comments, which I think was deserved. But like, I know, and you've seen this, like that piece he wrote for the Players Tribune or whatever over the summer, like he puts a ton of pressure on his shoulders to be the face of this franchise and like be the star player mm-hmm. and carry the team, which isn't necessarily a role that is, should be his because like he is our best player offensive player mm-hmm. but he needs a support staff to get there you know agreed um and uh yeah so i think when he struggles even when he looks lazy it has more to do with he's in his own head and like blaming himself and less to do with like i don't think for him it's ever just indifference you know yeah which same result so i guess you can say it doesn't matter which you know it's fine to say that, but I, I guess I'd rather have that in a weird way if I have to have one or the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Tarasenko scored to answer that goal, uh, and then uh, Granlin scored a goal, uh, which was, as Jeremy Rutherford said, Jake Allen is guilty of sliding way out of the crease on this, uh, but he gets no help from Colton Pareko, Berglund, or Dunn. Uh, this was the play where Allen kind of waved for a high stick uh, and got no uh, response for that. 
Um, the delay of game penalty, I want to say, maybe happened here. Maybe it happened in, before the fourth goal. It was on this game, at uh, least. But we'll talk about it now. There was a play where uh, Jay Bomeister slap-shotted a puck from our own end hard enough, which God, who knew Jay Bomeister had it in him? <laughs> and he even said that. Uh, to go <laughs> over the boards behind Dubnik, like all the way out of the arena in some sort of like space jamian sort of <laughs> ridiculous cartoonish way. Um, and... Bo Meester said, I couldn't probably do that again if I tried. You're trying to get it down, shoot it hard, and it kind of took off on me. That's probably just trying to do too much or whatever. That's going through our lineup, and that's not helping us. I don't know what that means. What a weird line <laughs> for doing too much. You're yeah. just trying to clear the zone. Obviously a bad play at a bad time. That's on me. I can take it. But this is the other thing. This is the other rule, spirit of the rule thing I wanted to talk about that we mentioned earlier. This isn't delay of game. It's not the same thing. Delay of game was a rule that was invented to keep people from like quickly flicking, flipping the puck over their own boards in their own zone to prevent a penalty. It was not for a guy who like slap shots the hell out of a puck and it just happens to go too high on the other end of a 200 foot <laughs> rink, like 170 feet away and goes over the boards, you know, and again. They called it right. It is the rule. I'm just saying the rule should be changed to punish what you actually want to punish and not include this freak play instead, you know, mm -hmm. because he's not like he's trying to play the game the right way by clearing the puck rather than delaying the game. It just happens to go out. And it's weird to me then that like you can flick some pucks over the like bench because the glass is lower and that's like not. Yeah, you could just try for that all the time. Yeah. Frustrating. I don't want to dwell on it too much. There were a lot more goals. Eric Stahl had a hat trick, and then one of them didn't count, and so he finished off the hat trick later. Uh, Petrangelo <laughs> scored five seconds, 15 seconds into the second period, making it 3-2 to two after Hutton had replaced Allen. And I don't know if you're like me, but I never thought. I was like, nope, nope, still going to lose this yeah. one. And we did, allowing two more goals before Tarasenko scored his second. Uh, the game ended. <laughs> Eight to three. Game was over. <laughs> Eric Stahl had seven, five points, I think, three goals, two assists. Uh, he was named uh, NHL's first star of the month, which I'm sure this game helped solidify. Yeah, you're welcome, him. Eric. Uh, he did have he had one goal that was like ultimately deflected and awarded to Granlin, but like a lot later, and so he got his second goal, and a lot of fans threw hats on the ice to celebrate the hat trick because they thought it was his third and it didn't count. And then he got a third goal Ugh. later. So I think it was on his second goal. They, they zoomed in on his face and it was kind of one of those like, Oh, I didn't really even mean to put that in or it was so easy. Yeah. Kind of the smug turnaround look of like, Oops, I guess I scored a man. Have I ever wanted to reach through my TV and just punch a dude in the face? <laughs> like, I mean, the blues suck, but the way he was like, Oh, well, I was yeah. like, Oh, you son of a bitch. Eric, Stahl, by the way, had 33 goals currently in 2018, which I think we all predicted Holy cow. for the Wild. Uh, yeah, I, tell the truth, I couldn't bring myself. I didn't take notes at the time, and I couldn't bring myself to rewatch <laughs> eight goals against. Why would you? So uh, this was the one game where we finally got a break from the norm in terms of like the bull crap we hear after every game. From some people, most specifically the coach, 
uh, Mike Yo kind of lost his cool and started specifically calling out names uh, by subtraction. So he didn't quite be like, these are the guys I hated, but he named all the people he did like and then confirmed that the people he didn't name he didn't like. So we'll discuss that. First, he said, you give up eight goals, come on. We've given up 16 in the last three games. <laughs> Don't We've tell me to come on. <laughs> the top defensive teams. The turnovers, the turnovers that we have and the lack of respect that we have for our goaltenders and for the game of hockey, that's ridiculous. The game of hockey and the state of hockey, we have guys that aren't scoring and aren't contributing defensively and are not showing nearly enough as far as we want as far as what they want to bring to the table in terms of playing for their teammates. And then he goes on to say, I'll go through them. As far as our leaders, I thought that Petrangelo start, I thought that Petro started strong, but I thought as we got down, he tried to do too much and made a couple costly mistakes. I thought there was some progress as far as his game, but obviously as a captain, he's got to make sure that he plays it all the way through, regardless of, of the score, and he's got to lead the way there. Uh, a tough delay of game penalty on... Jay Bomeister, which was all in parentheses, so what he actually said was probably something to the effect of a tough call on Bowie. Uh, <laughs> there's no question on that, but I thought that was one of Bo's better games. I liked Jaden Schwartz, Braden Shen. I liked Alexander Steen, <laughs> Vladimir Tarasenko, Kyle Brodziak, Scotty Upshaw, and Dimitri Yaskin. Uh, we joke because... Uh, Jeremy Rutherford, who's a phenomenal reporter, always takes great care to include these people's full names and these quotes where uh, mm. he's just saying last names or nicknames. And so uh, <laughs> the parentheticals were where we were acting strange. So to repeat the names in a less goofy way, uh, I like Schwartzchen, Steen, Tarasenko, Brodziak, Upshaw, and Yaskin. I liked what those guys brought. We had too many guys that didn't match that. Uh, so for those keeping score at home, that leaves Gunnarsson, Bergwin, Dunn, Thompson, Schmaltz, Barbashev, Pareko, Sabotka, and Nikita Sashnikov, Nick Flair, uh, and Jeremy Rutherford specifically asked, so the guys you didn't mention, he responded, cutting Jeremy off, I'm not happy with them. Now, I think we mm-hmm. can, and I think he later specifically amended uh his comments to not include, I know Sashnikov was one of them, and I don't know if the other good, young good. guy was Schmaltz or Barvis ever done, but one of the other young guys, maybe Thompson. But I think the ones you really want to highlight are Gunnarsson, Bergwin, Pareko, and Saboka, who are experienced guys mm-hmm. that weren't on that list. Um, do we want to rail on any of these people? Do we? I'm feeling a good. We can. I'm feeling a good railing coming on. Yeah, we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna talk about. The players we want to move on from in a little well, bit here. Then maybe this one fits because I don't know if I want to move on. But yeah. like, what the hell happened to Colton Pareko? Oh, oh, please, yeah, let's do that. Actually, that's a good one. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. I looked by the way and saw that he has twenty five assists this year at one point, and I'm just like, uh, where did those come from? Because I don't remember. Yeah, them. I. This is one of my pet peeves. We mentioned it recently where people were talking about, like, there was a a tweet online where somebody was like, I was asked by a friend if I would trade Pareko straight up for Carlson. And what do you think was basically his question. And there were, like, people, there were multiple people who were like, I wouldn't do it. And I was just, like, out of my mind. Yeah, you're on drugs. 
put down like, the crack even pipe. if you're gonna even if you're not even if you're not gonna keep Carlson, you could flip him for more than Colton Pareko. Mm-hmm. You could just straight up flip him. Uh I I nothing against Colton Pareko, but the hype machine on that dude is out of this world. Mm-hmm. Just because what? He has a big heavy slap shot that he never uses. Ever. Yeah. Ever uses. He never uses it. Uh <laughs> He makes a really good play, I think, in the Detroit game that leads to one yeah. of the goals. So we'll sing his praises in a minute. But yeah, he's fine. But that that rookie season was phenomenal, and it's carried him for two for three seasons. Mm-hmm. This being his third, that people are like, "Oh no, he's going to be like an elite defender." I'm like, "Let's cut it, mate." Like maybe, maybe, yeah, but probably not. Maybe. And you'll be ser- he's serviceable. He's fine, and he's had a rough patch like anybody else has recently but there's just less defenders on your team Mm -hmm. you're down to Bortuzzo you're down to Edmondson you kind of want your six foot five guy to step up I don't know physically or just box people out yeah that was kind of the problem with all these losses too and you were talking about the heat map there were so many shots from just right in front of our goalies Mm -hmm. all the time and this is a like Colton Preko like tie a dude up it's I don't know he's looked more and more like a bad Bowmeister with like, you know, deer in the headlights look a lot. Yeah. And I'm sure you can get out of it, but for a guy that had so much hype going into that first season, you know, it's rough. This is a random question. I don't necessarily expect you to know the answer, but Here do you go. know who his partner was that rookie season? You know, who um, he was playing with, I don't know, man. Cause we would have had, he's a right hander. Mm-hmm. I think him and Edmondson played a lot at the bottom pairing. See, okay. I think the bigger deal was too, that he probably played less minutes that rookie right. season for sure. And I wonder if that's just a better fit for him. It might because be. I just, I, we've talked a lot. I don't want to dwell on this too long, but like <laughs> we saw one of the guys respond to that question and it's not to pick on this guy, but his response was basically, <laughs> Let's pick on him. he deserves it a little bit. I don't think he's one of our followers, but if he is, I'm sure you have other good opinions. But he was <laughs> his basically response was, "I'm not trading a future world class defender." I think were his words yeah. for like a a setting star or whatever, like a a guy who's past his prime and super overrated. He said Eric Carlson or whatever, and I was just like, "Where at this point do you get off thinking that Colton Pareko's a future?" world-class defender. And I think one of the things that we, like, we get excited because Colton Pareko's a fourth or fifth round pick or whatever he was. And that is great, but we forget the flip side of that, that Colton Pareko was a fourth or fifth (laughs) round pick. And there's a reason, like, yeah, he was in Fairbanks and nobody saw him, but there was a reason he was in Fairbanks in the first place. Like, he didn't just, he wasn't born in Fairbanks. He's Canadian, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he, he ended up there. Like, I just, I I think he's got a good long career out of him. I'm For not sure. trying to crap on him. Yeah. But I just like, he's one of those guys on this team that's like the opposite of a scapegoat where it's like, oh, we're never talking about Colton Pareko. He's just yeah. he's fine. Just, and I heard uh, Dan Beck, Betlock and even JR today, they were, JR was co-hosting one of the ESPN shows and Chris Duncan's stead. Um, and I heard them talking about, like, yeah, he does need to up his game. So credit to them. It's not like he's never talked about Yeah. It. Two things with him. I, you want to see him play more physical just because he has the size. He has to. Like, you can't have that body and not use it, <laughs> especially on this team. And you want to see him unload that shot more and just have more confidence to smash that yeah. thing. And I wonder 
Because last year he had the goal scoring drought, right, where he didn't hardly score true, all true. season, and he broke like umpteen thousand twigs. Oh, trying that's to take right. A yep. stop. And I wonder if that broke him at some point, just mentally, because he's still so young. And I wonder if there's somebody that just you know we got Larry Robinson. You would have thought you got he Al McKenna's conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a great old story about Al McKenna's with I can't remember if it was Pronger. I think it was Pronger. Maybe it was Ege. I guess it would have been Ege because he wasn't that much older than Pronger. I was like Pronger and McKenna's uh, played together. Yeah, but I think it was Eric Johnson because there was the story I read once where Petrangelo or McKenna's really liked Eric Johnson's shot. I think it was Johnson. Could have even been Pareko. I don't know. It was some young player <laughs> that he's like a, a role model for, you know, and, and he really liked their shot. And so he wanted to see him unload it more. And if he was watching a game and – uh, saw that they were missing opportunities to just fire the shot or whatever, he'd kind of find them in the locker room afterwards and just shake his head disapprovingly and like <laughs> walk away and not even say anything. Like, I want their, I want that role filled for Colton yeah. Rico because, like, if he's firing that shot and crashing the net, he is Shea Weber. Like, you know, yeah, if people are crashing the net and he's playing physical, not that he, you know, he's Shea yeah. Weber light. Shea Weber's one of the top five defensemen in the NHL. I don't know that Colton Pareko or will ever be that, but even the idea that he could be is tantalizing and yeah. there needs to be more there. I'll give him credit. He does seem like he's used a shot a little bit more recently because mm-hmm. I do remember a few guys, it's not getting through, it's getting blocked, but, man, they've had a few where people have been wincing as they're coming off the ice. And yeah. I think on a more positive I note, I guess. two times a game. <laughs> yeah. I think you're looking at less of a – Petrangelo, because I remember for a while when he started off really well, people were like, oh, we can just trade Petrangelo. Eh, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But I think you're looking at maybe like what EJ is now, which for what Colton Pareko was drafted as and mm-hmm. all that, uh, current Eric Johnson as a, I don't know, as something he could be, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Great, you know, I guess great steady defenseman. Yeah. I'm by the way, not to go on this tangent, but I consider myself a little bit of an Eric Johnson evangelist in the sense (laughs) that like there was that period where I was like, this guy's a butthurt former blues fan, blues player. He was for the one day, super butthurt that that one day, day. uh, talking about, I'll make them live to regret this, which sorry, I still haven't, but, (laughs) um, this dude has been so good in Colorado. Oh yeah. Like just under the radar, like as good as you want that, Colorado would have been feckless for a, almost a decade now without <laughs> that trade. And it's he's been there eight years now, which you don't think about. By the way, still not 30. So just wow. disgusting. 29, but still. Yeah, still. Um, he will be 30 on March 21st. He's almost there. But I, he's a really good player. Anyway, back to <laughs> back to my <laughs> hunch. Uh, Saboka's a little bitch. Uh, <laughs> he, Man, okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just had to say no, it because I wrote it in the notes. Uh, I mean, I agree. He said as he was walking away from a reporter, what do you want to talk about? We all make mistakes. And what it, it's what it is right now. Tough mistakes, which is so nothing. Beats you, working. You little Tom Cruise little asshole, <laughs> as Dan Buffa said on his uh, post-game video, which was a lot of fun you should go look for it but oh he's just like what an arrogant little bitchy little move to walk uh, away from a reporter 
And, you, and that's the thing where it's like, okay, if you're making tough mistakes, fine. Work harder. Yeah. Hit people. Like, he's Vladimir Savoka. That used to be his thing. Yeah, it so isn't anymore. Um. Anyway, uh, Petrangelo, Bo Meester, both upset by the loss. Yo was asked if he was going to start making changes. He simply answered, yep. <laughs> and then he asked to elaborate because he only has so many players. He said, we'll start with who we got. We've obviously got a couple extra bodies, so it's time that we make sure that the quality of play, the caliber of play, it's a matter of showing that you care. We're not going to let people take away from the pride and the culture that we have here. Obviously, this is a difficult stretch. I am anxious to see who is ready to respond the right way. Uh, That resulted in a... uh, one lineup change, which was the sitting of Patrick Bergwind, mm-hmm. much needed and well deserved. Uh, we'll harp on him in a little bit. Um, the one thing here that just <sighs> stunning to me is that we had a Corsi four percentage of fifty seven almost percent in a game we lost eight to three, and the Wild had ten giveaways to our two, <laughs> and we can't cap it like. A, Oh, how are we so broken? And which, by the way, is why I'm so worried about this Detroit loss or this Detroit win, because it could mean nothing. Oh, yeah. Uh, But let's talk about it as if it does mean something. Would you like to lead us through it or shall I? You can go for it. Great. I'm on a roll, right? Um, Scotty Upshaw scored a goal. (laughs) No, uh, really, overall, watching this game was a very different experience from watching any other game. We'll talk about some of the numbers and why they're a little worrisome, but right out of the gate, they looked... Yeah, it sounds canned, but it's a it was a better effort. Yeah. It just really uh, was. One of the things, they, they sent the fourth line out there to start a, the checking mm-hmm. line of Thorburn, Brodziak, and Upshaw. Um, Upshaw said, I think the point was, follow these guys. They'll go out and bang and crash and lead by example and work hard and give world-class sellies. Although he didn't this time because it was almost like, oh, my God, a goal. I got to play it cool. (laughs) Um, I think that was the motive. I think just changing up was probably Yo's vision with that. And uh, he said they were going, Yo said they were going to work. Those guys are workers, whether it was Stastny being traded or just kind of where we're at with the losing streak. We need guys to step up, and I believe that those guys were ready to step up. And step up they did. They laid hits right out of the gate. They looked great. Um, Credit to those guys. Uh, Kyle Brodziak, uh, who's one of our better face-off guys, one of our only right-handed shots, um... Played a big role uh, in that game uh, and was just a really great player. Played his most ice time ever as a Blues with as a blue player with like 19 minutes. I had the number here somewhere. I just got to find it. Um, 19-14, and he won a season high in face-offs with 14 out of 19. Um, He's definitely... Thorburn had eight minutes on the ice. Yeah, arm. our best face-off guy now that Stasny's yeah. gone. Also, something we can talk about when we talk about off-season if we don't want to boot that to the next episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> a must-re-sign, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Just because of the role he plays, the price he's going to be re-signed at. Uh, just pretty hugely valuable player. Um, the, fir- the fourth line's effort... Paid off in the first goal of the game, which came in the second period, uh, scored by Scotty Upshaw. Um, 
with a minute 12 elapsed in the first period, assisted by Colton Pareko, the aforementioned, and right, Kyle Brodzak. <laughs> uh, Pareko did make a really nice play here. He skated in with the puck to the goalie's left and backhanded it into his pads. And then there was an ensuing skirmish, which Yaskin fell, somehow not touching the puck at all. Yeah. And Upshaw also dove towards the puck, falling, and managed to catch enough of it to jam it in under... I guess Jimmy Howard's pads. This was a very uh, Troy Brower goal. It was. And I you was know like, what? is no one going to put it I'll in? I'll freaking take it. Yeah. Um, Upshaw gets the goal, his seventh of the season. It's been a while since he scored. He was on kind of a streak there for a while. But mm-hmm. good for Upshaw. Um, good for the fourth line. Uh, the Blues had been trailing or tied. They had not led an opponent for 326 in-game minutes and 43 seconds since the Predators tied in that game we collapsed. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> just intolerable. Uh, there was a hit in the middle of the third or second period. Uh, Nikita Sashnikov destroyed Nick Jensen uh, near the boards with 331 left. Uh, Carter Hutton said, I caught the end of it on the highlight. Yeah, it seemed like he rocked him, so that was good. He's a workhorse. He just goes, whether it's his warm-up or the gym, everything. Like, he's seen yeah. so much of Nikita <laughs> We know Nikita Sashnikov. <laughs> he's such a workhorse. He's been here for a week, and we know it. He's in good shape. He plays with that edge, and that's something we need. We think our physical play can lead to a lot of success, and he stepped in, really. Uh I think Yo said, we're better when we're physical. We're harder to play against, and so Sash brings that. He's still getting used to our team game a little bit. I think he knows how he needs to play. It's a different system, uh, by which he means that the Maple Leafs have much better players. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, uh, but not really. It's a different system. There are some things that are similar, but there will be a little bit of a learning curve. Uh, but his speed is very noticeable, and I'm excited about what he's brought us so far. Great on Sash, who, as I mentioned, I'm fully in love with. A fully uh, torque. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the third period saw uh, a second goal. We were we leading by two goals, which God only knows how long it's been. Well, actually, it was just slightly before we were tied with the Nashville Predators. <laughs> yeah, we all know. Uh, but leading by two goals on a nice play by Alex Petrangelo. A defenseman pinched and scored a goal, which is how, like, all of our first month goals work. Yeah, just do that more. um, Schwartz, who has been scuffling a lot, I think, especially during this streak, but mostly since return to injury, just made a really hard work ethic play here. Um, He fought off kind of two wings and sort of reverse play and managed to get it out to Petrangelo, who was charging in and just one-timed it. And I think... Uh, Rutherford put it really well when he said taking out the aggression of a seventh grade losing streak because you don't think of Alex Petrangelo as having much of a hard shot necessarily, but when he corks one, he can get it going pretty good, Mm -hmm. uh, especially when he's charging into it like this one. Um, Mike Yo said, unreal work ethic, referring to Schwartz, unbelievable work ethic. That's uh, what we need right now, just that relentless work ethic. I think he liked his work ethic. (laughs) Uh, But as to paraphrase or actually quote uh, our friends over at St. Louis Game Time, who are a wonderful follow on Twitter, and are uh, the producers of the daily game paper, if you're going into the stadium, pick one up. Uh, It's almost always never easy, which I think is their tagline. (laughs) Um, the Red Wings pulled their goalie with 
three minutes left. It yeah. was a good chunk of time. And from there on, pretty much had nonstop pressure, uh, including a goal where Andreas Athanasiu, which well I done. think I'm pronouncing correctly, yeah. but nobody else has <laughs> scored his 13th of the season, assisted by Tyler, my uncle, slash that one guy's throat, Bertuzzi. Uh, <laughs> and uh, as I said, it was six on five with the goalie pro pulled Bertuzzi shot a puck as you mentioned earlier I can't remember if it was off air or not but he hit the pipe and it reflected out like right back to Athanasiu who did the exact same thing but it went in Mm -hmm. and to everyone's credit I mean there were like three bodies between him and the net I'm sure Hutton couldn't see anything it wasn't like there were plenty of plays in this stretch when there was no defensive support but this was more like a freak bouncing of the puck you know Not a lot you could do here. Um, And I'm at this point, minute 45 left, as hot as they've been on this six on five, I was convinced we were going to cave again and we were just not going to win the rest of the season. But we didn't. We won. We held on. Uh, They somehow survived the onslaught with a victory. Tarasenko gave Hutton a a smile and a big hug like you wouldn't believe after this. And that's kind of to my point earlier about Vova, he just wears wins with so much joy, mm-hmm. and you know I don't think not to pick on him, but he deserves it. Patrick Bergwind isn't like friggin' psyched going home after a win, you know, but I think Terrace too busy is. with his hair. Uh, this was Alex Petrangelo's six hundredth game. The the worrisome statistics here are plentiful. Uh, the Red Wings outshot us thirty six to twenty five. They won face-offs marginally. We out-hit them 22-7, to which, as you mentioned, could be a home-hit yeah. machine counter guy. But probably not that by that much. We out-blocked them 23-11 to and had three giveaways to there, too. But the really worrisome, worrisome statistic was the fact that our Corsi 4 percentage, which we've mentioned a lot more for those of you who are stat geeks, uh, and we're stat geeks, so no judgment, but um, was just 35 0.64%, which is very worryingly low against a team that was not good, are not good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's troubling, it's worrisome. Um, it was abysmally low in the third period. It was not great in the first period. Uh, and then the second period was pretty even. Um, and I think, so we talked about the the... Fourth line starting, Thorburn went to the waivers at one point this week, which we never mentioned, but he didn't get claimed, and so he gets to stay on the extended roster. Um, Bergwin got scratched. So there are a lot of stories to this, uh, but I think the biggest one to talk about is just sort of, as I put it in a text to you, I don't want to be the downer guy. My hope sincerely, desperately, is that this is the first win of a winning streak. And we, like, bounce back. But my big concern is that it's going to be the 1 in 1 in 10 or 1 in 9 and 2 or something. Mm-hmm. Because we're about to go to Dallas, to San Jose, and to L.A. All three teams fighting for, well, not fighting for in the latter two cases as much. But all, two te- all three teams in playoff contention, all mm-hmm. tough places to play. Uh, especially the the. F- all three of them, really, but especially <laughs> the two uh, East West Coast teams. That Corsi four percentage when I saw it just really worries me because, like, the effort looked better, and I think we did all the right things, but we 
basically got dominated. Yeah. It just, and maybe, you know, I didn't look at the heat map on this one as much. Here it is. It's right there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we were forcing them to the outside more, and we were getting to the inside more, so that looks great. But it's worrisome. Do you think it's a sign of good things to come? Do you think Doom is afoot, or are you somewhere in between? Uh, I'm probably in between. Like you said, I hope this I hope this galvanizes the team, pushes uh. the team forward. Uh, I'd put my money on that it's not going to. I mean, they might try more. Yeah. They might put a good effort in more mm-hmm. often, but this is the part where when we get past them not trying, which was a big problem, we can start evaluating this team on the fact that just not talented enough, like front mm-hmm. to back, and these other teams are just going to be stronger in that regard. And I think they've got a little more to play for. I think yeah. when you trade Paul Stasny, I know you can still make the playoffs, but you can't think... I mean, not that he's a linchpin on this team, but you can't think you trade Paul Stasny and then you go win the cup. You I, can't no, trade a no, top no, no, six no. forward as a rental. And the the big difference between this and last year was when we traded Kevin Shattenkirk last year, it was with the assumption that Colton Pareko would step into his role mm-hmm. and step, occupy a bigger role. And... Um, you know, we had that replacement in-house. There's no replacing Paul Stastny. He's exactly. your best center as far as being a center goes. No <laughs> disrespect to Braden Shen, who's done phenomenally well as a center this year, but winning face-offs, that sort of thing, that was what Paul Stastny was all about. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I just did some, not number crunching, but just some counting, which is about as much math as I can do. <laughs> we have <laughs> 17 you. games left. Uh, of those nine are against teams that are currently in the playoff te- race or currently in the playoffs mm. as of this afternoon's counting, and three of those are three of those nine are wild card teams. So people were fighting with directly. Although I think at least one of them was <clears throat> a, an Eastern wild card team. Uh, the other eight games are two against the Avs, who are right behind us by a point. Uh, three losers, which are the Canucks, the Coyotes, and the Rangers. So those, you would hope, are three wins, although I'm not yeah. taking anything against the Coyotes for granted. And then three Blackhawks games, which I think there's a back to, I think like our two second, third and second to last yeah. game are like a back-to-back home and away against Chicago, yep. which if you don't think, if we're on the fringe right there, I know, I know probably that the Blackhawks don't, hate us as much as we hate them but if you don't think after their crappy season that they would love to cost us the oh, two or yeah. four points it'll co- take to get into the playoffs which we're not going to get in with such a cushion that those points don't matter you know yep. if you don't think they'd love to take us out of the playoffs they're going to be playing like hell that weekend yeah if you thought that little gap between when we first played them in October and when we next play them in April lessened your hatred for the Hawks yeah. or that yeah, or that just because they're bad, you're not going to hate them. Well, here you go. They're going to hate them. Yeah. Uh, according to sportsclubstats.com, we have a 29.9% chance of making the playoffs. 94 was the low wild card team last year. Maybe it's a little lower than that, but if it stays at 94 points, you have to get 20 because we're at 74, which means going 10 and 7 or 9, 5 and 2, however you want to look at it. Man. That already just feels like which means a death you know now. looking at it in the easiest path it means all the wins against the non playoff teams, which means three wins against the Blackhawks, which you know ain't happening, mm-hmm. and uh, plus three from the divisional leader, 
or the playoff teams, basically. And I just, like, it doesn't feel like yeah, it. It like, really doesn't. Exactly. It can be done, yeah. but just watch what this team played like. And do you really think they're going to turn the corner now? Yeah. And They've the, said that all year. The sun, the bright spot of that, I guess, is playoff berth, as I mentioned, I don't think matters to this team because you're getting bounced in the first round. Maybe there's, like, <laughs> last year when you think about our first round, really didn't deserve to get through it. Mm-hmm. We just out allen the wild. <laughs> Which is weird to say now, but um, yeah. So we we maybe we looks like we're gonna miss the playoffs. So the question I have for us, we got a couple more things and fans' questions to cover. It's almost done, folks. I mean, you can see how long it is. You're using a podcast app, mm-hmm. and you love us, so you just want to listen forever. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're here in late, so uh, we're ready to sleep. But uh, the rest of the season. I see as kind of a weird problem, <laughs> like a twofold a good problem. problem, three, t- two to threefold <laughs> problem, fourfold problem, <laughs> um, which is there's like a conflict of interests between trying to win as many games as we want and make the playoffs and make a push versus doing our best to set ourselves up for the future. Because trying to win as many playoff games as possible means sitting the guys who need to sit, means playing your hot hand and goal. Playing your old guys more minutes. Playing your old guys more minutes. The right old guys, not yeah. the hurt ones, but the right old guys. So what? there's two problems in that. There's the one problem of, like, if you want to phone it in for the rest of the season, not that they do that, but you could give Thompson more time. You could give a look at calling up Quim Costin. And giving him some minutes, you could get you could keep Schmaltz and uh, Dunn in there as a pairing, and keep them working together. Uh, f- you know, consistent playing time for Sashnikov, Barbashev, mm-hmm. whoever you want to throw in that group. Stanford, if he gets healthy, whatever. Um, the the other side of that though is like, if you're really trying to win and you want to like keep doing the thing where you're benching Bergwin. The problem with that looking long term is we want to desperately trade Patrick Bergwin this off season and some other guys, and we're get about to talk about that. But if you want to do that, you need to play them to make mm-hmm. them not as damaged goods when you're trying to trade them, which to me is like you're walking a tightrope. I know. Well, let's just go ahead and ask this question because we got a question from. Vince done, Vince done with your shit on Twitter. Uh, he said, so many people were upset that Sobe, Bergy, Jabo weren't traded at the trade deadline. Was there anything we could have realistically done to get them out? My money is on no, so I can't blame Army for not moving them. I think there are trades that could have been made for these guys. I think Florida would have taken Jabo Meester. I think they still may. Um, I think there are teams that will take the likes of Bergwind and Saboka Maybe it's one of those things where you're trading real low or even, like, incentivizing a little bit, but I don't think it's, like, with Laterra where you're going to have to, like, give a first-rounder to get him off your hands. Um, I could see a situation you mentioned earlier where you package those guys in a bigger deal with Ottawa where maybe they eat some of the salary of Bobby Ryan and you take his contract back to, like, um, have those deals. To answer Vince's question specifically, 
I think those kinds of deals, I mean, we, and I got caught up in it too, talking about there are going to be two to three more deals on deadline day and these guys are going to get out of here. That's really hard to pull off in 24, 48 hours, especially with people's, you know, salary caps pressed up against it and stuff. Mm. But I think we can get rid of most of those guys this summer. And I think Allen's another one where, and that's the big problem is the the biggest X versus O of winning and losing right now is starting Hutton versus starting Allen. And the problem with not starting Allen, as I keep repeating, is if you don't start him at all, you can't trade him this offseason, mm-hmm. you know. Um, what do you think about getting rid of those guys, any of what I just rambled on about <laughs> incoherently? I I think Doug Armstrong said he tried, and he made it sound like either if he's trying to sell Berglund or Saboku, I'm guessing, were the guys he was trying to sell. Either they were the asking price that he was asking for him was too high mm-hmm. for the other, the other teams Which to buy. Which is ballsy, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Or to get the price down, I guess, the thought was, oh, well, we want one of your top four prospects. Then. Uh-huh. Sort of like, we'll take Berglund off your hands if you can yeah, incentivize it. And he wasn't going to do that either, Doug Armstrong. So I think it's fine that he didn't do anything. I think you're right, though, that those three, I think Allen, Berglund, and Taboka, like, they have to be gone at this point. They pretty much, without naming anyone and sort of kind of naming mm-hmm. people, said these three are out of here. I, I think, think Petro's Jay... a different quite or not Petro. Well Jay Bowmeister's different Bo because it's not he hasn't played bad. It's getting value for a guy and right. freeing up cap space. And it's not like you can say he has played bad if you want to, but it's like it's his heart's in the right place as opposed to these other guys. Bergwind and Saboka, the story with them reading between the lines and not so much with some of JR's reporting is they don't care. They're just not as invested as they should be. They're playing for the money, that sort of thing. And they're not fitting in the locker room. Allen's a different case where it's just like, we got to get him out of here. We can't have him break yeah. down all the time. I'm sorry if you're like a staunch Allen fan, but like yeah. the thing I, yeah, I'll just say it. The thing I problem I have always with Allen and then it's like a defense of him is like, well, the defense isn't playing all that great in front of him. Mm-hmm. And that I'm totally true. But at a certain point, you get finicky as a defenseman going, I got to make this play for sure because if it gets behind me, it's over. Yeah. I can't trust that dude yeah. back there to make the save. Yeah. And that's that's all you really need. And, I mean, you got to watch the guy and think it's it's just not there or it's not, it's obviously not consistent. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to win a cup, you, don't have, you just don't have the time, man, to say, we'll see what he has next year. Right. You can't do that anymore. Right. And God bless JR. Is that one of his funniest sort of like he's so polite especially when he's like talking and not writing which is like he's just a little a little more blunt when he's writing yeah but he was having this conversation on one-on-one today and he was talking about like a lot of the word gets thrown around a lot with jake allen that he's a head case and i don't think it's that and then he goes on this long explanation of why he's exactly a head case (laughs) but just framed in a different light and the idea was basically like he wants to succeed so badly that when things don't go right it's he hard freaks on out. Like, yeah, Jr. That's what it is. Uh, but I can sympathize with that, but that's why I'm not an, an NHL, NHL goalie. goalie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's been almost two hours. We got a couple more questions. I think we'll pick up on some of this next week mm-hmm. uh, because we've only got one game to cover next Thursday because the game's so late. The Sharks game. 
Um, the well might run dry. We do have these questions. Vince's question, not actual Vince Dunn, I don't think. Unless it is. That'd be hilarious if real Vince Dunn was following us with a dummy account. Thank you, Vince Dunn. Uh, um, You're real great. But uh, West Southern, Wesley Southern asked us, not a question, but a thought. So I guess he didn't ask us. This team had way too many left-handed shots. As it sits, we have two right-handed forwards, 28 and 32, uh, Rod Ziak and Thompson. It has to be very difficult for forwards to make queen passes when you're constantly having to backhand pass. Uh, I do think this is a big issue they need to address mm-hmm. in um, the offseason. I mean, you're not... You should at least have four, I would think, right-handed guys. Yeah. You, your right wing should be, you know, or left wings, I guess. No, right, right wings right are right-handed, yeah. yeah. Your right wing should ideally be right-handed. Um, you can't just conjure them up because right-handed shooters are left-handed people, which are fewer and farther between, but I do think that's a weakness, especially when the two you have are... Um, well, Kyle Brodsky, yeah, guys, yeah. that's you know? what I mean. You at least want, like two out of your top yeah. three lines to be right-handers. And yeah. Vladimir Tarasenko is already a right hand or a right wing with a left shot. So yeah. that's already out the window. So Which, you need like, the second line guy. I've always kind of been curious of like, so why doesn't he try left wing? But now it's his thing. I think it's more as a guy who snipes or as a shooter, yeah. you got the face of your stick more open to the goalie. So yeah. you have a place to pick. Look at how smart he is. Uh, but yeah, I do think that's another question. They definitely need to address this off season. Um, and then number one fan, uh, which he clarified in the tweet, Jake Webb. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Can you say that about yourself? <laughs> I don't know. Vince Dunn's interacting a lot, giving a shout out. Humility is a virtue, West I think. Southern's been there since day one. All these people. We love you all. Justin Oniker and everyone else. I want you to say five Hail Marys. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, I wouldn't remember all the words, but you know. Hail Mary, soul of grace, etc. But you got anyway, pretty close. <laughs> uh, is that how it ends, etc. etc. Et Next one. Uh, anyway, he asked very succinctly, "Why has God forsaken us?" See, oh, perfect. Um, I don't know. I don't know why he's forsaken the Blues. I think it's because the we've old... strayed from his light. Yeah. You know, which is Ken Hitchcock. Yeah, know. this is what happens when you stray from Ken Hitchcock's light. Yeah, this is what happens. Ken Hitchcock is God. That's the face of God. <laughs> Wouldn't you feel terrible if you got to the pearly gates and shit? Cock was standing there behind him. Uh, that's a question for you to contemplate. We have reached almost two hours. Oh, over two hours now on this we did podcast. It. Hooray! It We're went putting long. in the effort. It was rambling. We're putting in the time. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. We're going to have a lot more to, not a lot more to discuss. We're going to go in a lot more detail on these final few questions probably next week. If you have more questions for us, by all means, send them to us this week because one game. And it's probably going to be a quick loss that we can just adjust real yeah. fast. Any questions? Because we're so good at that. Yeah, ask about Pokemon. Pokemon. What uh, plushie should I buy in Japan? Oh, yeah, you go into Japan. He needs to pick one mm, of them. Pokemon. How about a Jigglypuff? Boo. <laughs> Don't suggest that. Uh, we will discuss all that and more. Please send your questions. We love hearing from you guys. Until then, uh, a very Japanese sayonara to you all. Nailed it. <laughs>